Today's episode is brought to you by the U.S. Bank Altitude Go Visa Signature Card. To learn more, visit usbank.com slash altitude go. As a traveler, it's a fact you're going to need to manage your spending in different currencies. You need a service that not only helps you send, spend, and receive in different currencies fast, but also does it without the hidden fees or exchange rate markups. This is where WISE comes in. WISE is the easiest way to connect all of your finances internationally. I've been a customer for over a decade. It's been a lifesaver for me as a traveler, a nomad, and now a permanent resident abroad. If you're a traveler who's still using your regular bank, you need to check this out. Join 16 million customers and learn how the WISE account could work for you by downloading the app or visiting wise.com slash travel. That's wise.com slash travel. Thank you to WISE for supporting today's show. This episode of Zero to Travels brought to you by the 2024 Nissan Pathfinder with seven drive modes. The Pathfinder's available intelligent 4x4 is built for even the most epic journeys. Learn more at NissanUSA.com. Education is a core value for me, and not necessarily just your classroom learning, but just life learning as well, I think is, is equally important. Learning through different cultures, learning from other people. That was a clip from my friend Jen, who stops by today's show. She is an expert at helping people go to college in Europe for free or for a lot less than you would pay in the U.S. She runs a website called beyondthestates.com, and she gives us the 101 on how to do that. But we talk about a lot more than that in this show. She's living as an expat now. We talk about running towards something Rather than running away some, from something, you know, a lot of people when they're taking off to travel, maybe leaving a job or something, you might get accused of running away from something. But we talk about that idea of maybe running towards something. Also, she shares some of her favorite college towns in Europe that might be worth visiting if you're just traveling. We talk about culture and this idea of maybe if you're not fitting in to your home culture or, or maybe it's not for you anymore, maybe you've outgrown it how that can be a motivator, I suppose, for moving overseas and beginning a life abroad. And that's just the tip of the iceberg. We've got a lot going on in this conversation. I'm also going to answer a question from a listener who sent me some audio asking about visas when your visa's about to expire. He's wondering what to do. I'll answer that question. And I'm going to also share with you three things that I'm trying to do every day that have really been helping me to, I don't know, feel good about the day, set the tone for the day. So all of that and much more happening in today's show. Let's get into it. Buckle up, strap in, grab your favorite beverage, relax. (laughs) Thanks for being here and welcome to the Zero to Travel podcast, my friend. You're listening to the Zero to Travel podcast, where we explore exciting travel-based work, lifestyle, and business opportunities, helping you to achieve your wildest travel dreams. And now your host, world wanderer and travel junkie, Jason Moore. Hey there, it's Jason with ZeroToTravel.com. Welcome to the show. Thanks for hanging out, letting me bring a little travel into your ears today. This is the show to help you travel the world on your terms to fill your life with as much travel as you desire, no matter what your situation or experience. I have to say, it has been a winter wonderland here in Oslo, Norway. We've had so much beautiful snow. It's uh, ever since the new year, 
uh, started, the calendar turned. It's just been snow, snow, snow. It's been cold enough where it sticks around. And yesterday, just gorgeous snowflakes. It was like, it was picturesque, really. The way it was laying on the trees and the bushes. And now today, what am I looking at? The pitter-patter of rain and a bunch of slush. But that's okay. I'm feeling good because I am sitting here talking to you. How are you doing today, my friend, wherever you're at in the world? Hope you're doing well, healthy, staying positive, having a good time. As you heard at the top, we have uh, plenty going on in this episode. I always like to kind of let you know what's going on because even though at the heart of the episode, we are talking about this idea of getting free or inexpensive vacation, hacking education, if you will. We also get into a lot of other topics, as uh, as I usually do, around expat life and moving abroad, and you know, being out of your home country, the benefits of travel, and getting education from cultures, and and living abroad, and all this type of stuff. So, in short, there's plenty in this episode for everybody, and I also have a few other things to add. I've been developing some new habits since the new year, which is always a good thing, I think. You know, paying attention to your habits, uh, which essentially make up your daily life and how it goes. And it's it's good to build an awareness around your habits. And, you know, it's hard to develop new positive habits. And that's why I think I'm starting small. And I wanted to just share with you a couple ideas around uh, building small habits that make a big impact and uh, some things that I've been doing recently. So after the interview segment... I'm going to talk a bit about that. I'll share three things that I've been doing that are really easy to implement and an overarching idea that you can carry with you for the rest of your day or tomorrow or the rest of the year, however far you want to carry it. (laughs) I'll I'll think of it as like a light backpack, right? You know, if you stuff your backpack too heavy or your suitcase, man, it sucks to carry around heavy luggage. Nothing drives me crazier than when I'm traveling and I have too much stuff with me. I'll have to tell a story another time about my first backpacking trip and how (laughs) overloaded I was, how ridiculously overloaded I was. You know, we can use that as a metaphor for habits, right? It's like hard to do a lot of new things at once. So let's like get the ultralight version of that. So anyway, that's what I'm going to share with you. I'm also going to answer a listener question on the back end. You know, it's been so wonderful to get these audio messages from you out there. I've been asking for them and you are delivering and uh, I got one from Jesse, who has a question about visas and his about to expire. So I'll answer that after the interview portion. And uh, by the way, if you do want to touch base and you have your own question that you want answered, or you just want to share a travel tip with the community, you know, your number one uh, travel tip, say, or um, anything along those lines. I have a couple ways you can do it now. I just set up a new way for you to easily leave me a voice message. If you go to zero to travel.com slash speak. Zero to travel.com slash speak. That will take you to a page where you can easily leave a 90 second voice message with a click of a button, or you can just open up your smartphone, record some audio, and send it to me at my email, jason at zero to travel.com, and just send me a message over there. So keep them coming because then I can keep putting them on the podcast and you can hear the other voices in this community, which uh, is always a wonderful thing. This is a community-powered show. This is your show. I am just facilitating all of this and honored to do so. And before we get into the interview, speaking of the community, I do have to give a shout out 
to Bailey, who wrote me an email a while back last year and said, Hey, Jason, my name is Bailey, and I am a college student in the United States listening to your podcast since COVID hit. I've been dying to travel. I'm planning to study abroad while I'm in college, and I would love if you did a podcast about students studying abroad. And she had some more details about her her field and everything like that. But the point is, she wrote me an email asking for this. And I said, you know, ask and you shall deliver. This was the uh, genesis for bringing on Jen to talk about a way that you can study abroad and do it for free or do it very cheaply. So without further ado, let's slip and slide into the interview portion of the show. And I will see you on the other side. Whereabouts are you, by the way? Do you live in the Netherlands? No, I live right outside of Lisbon. Oh, yeah, Portugal. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. What are you doing in Portugal? Uh, going for citizenship. You know, we... we uh, really? Well, hope five years. Five years and we will. Um, yeah, we just moved here in March, like two days before lockdown. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, we didn't, you know, location independence is something you guys taught me. <laughs> you know, this is, I learned about location independence from you and Travis. So really? um, wow. yeah, okay. it was actually funny. I started listening to you guys because I was going to be interviewed on his podcast a few years ago. And really never understood this whole concept and then, you know, kind of work towards this. We always want to live abroad. So my teenage daughter's here with us and my son is at a university in the Netherlands. Wow. Okay. So, <laughs> all right. Well, we have a lot to dig into. I should uh, give you a quick introduction. I have okay. the honor and privilege of sitting here on a Skype call with uh, Jen V. Mont. Do you prefer Jennifer or can I go with Jen? Yeah. Jen, Jen, please. Okay. <laughs> And you are the founder of a really cool service and website called beyondthestates.com. I, I know what you guys do is basically help people get degrees in Europe. So you can get your entire college degree taught in English for less than it costs for one year of tuition at many American schools. And as soon as I heard about this, I was kind of like, well, my sister has two nieces, first of all. And I'm from the USA and I know how expensive school is getting there. I live in Norway now and college is free here. So I'm like, where are your kids going to college? Well, they're going to college here. <laughs> I'm not, you know, like it's, it would be way too overwhelming to even think about trying to save for college. So I feel a lot of these parents out there, it's, it's a, I imagine it's a huge stress. And, you know, I think about putting myself in my sister's shoes and I'm like, Hey, so selfishly, one of the reasons I wanted to talk to you, Jen, was to just pick your brain. I'm going to keep, you know, sharing this with my sister be like, Hey, check this out. You know, like this is a thing. You might not have to stress out about the whatever hundreds of thousands of dollars people are spending. Anyway, Welcome to the Zero to Travel podcast, my friend. Sorry, that was a rambling introduction. No, thank you. I'm happy to be here. <laughs> so uh, I I know a lot of what you do is geared towards helping people get any type of degree, right? Like master's, bachelor. So this can apply to a lot of different people, whether you're parents who have children or um, you're somebody that's uh, considered going back to school or maybe you might consider it in the future. So I think this is going to be really helpful for everybody. But also, we're going to talk about some other things. I want to learn a little bit more about your business and how you got overseas and everything like that. But uh, what made you leave to go to Portugal? Like, what was the motivation for that? 
Well, we just moved to Portugal this year. You know, I've been doing Beyond the States for five years. And through Beyond the States, I was doing a lot of solo travel to visit schools, which was the best part, especially since I had teenagers at home to be able to kind of go by myself to these places was awesome. Escape the teenage drama. But um but also as I would as I would do these trips, I was experiencing these different cities less as a tourist and more, you know, how I would live someplace. You know, I'd go and I'd have a meeting and then I'd go to a coffee shop and I'd type up my notes and, you know, just the way you live. And approaching travel in this way was so um eye-opening to me. You know, I didn't have to go to museums that bored me just because that's kind of what you're supposed to do when you travel. I could I could experience a city as I would if I lived there. Um, and that gave me more of less of a travel bug, which I've always had a travel bug, but more of like a I want to live somewhere else bug. Um, and so actually, I, I found out about you and Travis and learned that, wow, I really was doing something that translated into location independence. And um, so my son started university in uh, Europe a year and a half ago, at which point we were sort of free. He wanted to finish high school in the U.S. My daughter, I have a 16-year-old daughter who has always wanted to live elsewhere. Um, And so we started exploring. We were originally going to move to Malaysia, actually, and had started that whole visa process. My daughter and I did a scouting trip. It was awesome. Um, and then my husband had an opportunity that needed some overlap with the U.S. time zone. And quite frankly, you know, much of our businesses in Europe, it makes sense for us to be here. So we uh, moved to Portugal this March. Uh, we were planning on traveling around a little bit more for a few months. But then, you know, COVID happened and we thought we should just get there and hunker down before we can't. So we're here. We have our, our visas and uh, plan to be here for the duration and hope to go for citizenship in five years. So you practice what you preach, right? Yes. <laughs> um, what kind of visa are you on? We came on the D seven visa. Um, it's self-employment, basically a self-employment, uh, substantial means or whatever that, that process was such a headache that I swear I've just repressed all those memories. <laughs> I know I have my residence card. I know I don't have to deal with it for another two years. And yeah. that's just how I roll now. <laughs> nice. I mean, but again, maybe another perk of starting your own thing, right? Is it's it's a way to, can be a conduit to other countries as well, depending on, uh, well, when you're listening to this. Of course, visa situations and things like that are always changing. You know, it's it's no small thing to pick up and leave your home country, right? I mean... I know you like travel, but it's like it's like you know a whole different ball game to be living overseas. Why why the need to leave your home country? Like, do you just feel like that was a culture you didn't fit into anymore? What's like what's kind of at the root of that? I don't know. You know, I've been thinking a lot about culture lately, mostly because I, I grew up in Chicago, and I was watching this documentary on Hulu about Chicago and and some of the politics there. But as I was watching it, I, I kept thinking like, wow, that's my culture. Chicago is my culture. You know, I identify so much with it. I'll see the skyline and it almost makes me tear up, you know, but, and then I lived in North Carolina for a, a while and that wasn't my culture, but I had community there. It was, it was great. I wasn't running from something. Um, I really feel like we wanted to run to something, if that makes sense. You know, we, my husband had a brain hemorrhage a number of years ago. So we had, uh, and he's fully recovered. Let me just say that now he's fully recovered. Um, but you know, it gave us firsthand experience with the medical system, for instance. Um, and even though we had insurance, you know, the issues with the medical, um, 
costs and just care, how care is so aligned with insurance. And we came here and and the cost of medical care. My son broke his broke his wrist. You know, like I said, he's in the Netherlands. He has student insurance. We pay something like, I mean, it's like 50 euros a month we pay for his student health insurance. He broke his wrist, had to have surgery. And we kept hounding the um, the insurance provider and the hospital. We're like, Bless you. Can, can we have the bill that we have to pay? Can can you get this yeah. for us? And they, they were kind of baffled why we kept on them about this. Zero was our out-of-pocket expense, you know, <laughs> like just the the difference in the healthcare system alone was something we wanted to kind of go towards. Um, and just I have a real appreciation for experiencing different cultures and ways of life. And um, this is definitely providing that for us. Yeah. How has it been so far? Because you've had now at the time of this recording... I'm doing the count on my hands here, old school style, uh, like eight months around. Yeah. I mean, you're past the, you know, the honeymoon phase. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So just be honest. What is, how are you feeling? Admittedly, moving abroad in the midst of a global pandemic is not ideal. (laughs) Um, So it's hard to know sort of which of our struggles relate to that and which relate to moving abroad. Um, And there are struggles. There are struggles with, you know, anytime there's a repair to be made in the apartment, you know, the, the landlord's proxy claims that it's our fault, whether that's the bell not working, you know, the intercom bell, somehow that's our fault. You know, just there, there are little struggles and not knowing the language yet. Um, I'm taking classes, but I could do little more than asking you if you have a fork at this point or that I like your dog. Um, you know, I think we were ready for obstacles. And then again, with the global pandemic obstacles on top of it, we're just kind of like getting through each day. I don't regret yeah. it one little bit. though. Yeah. I mean, of course, like you said, that's uh, that's a whole different situation. You can't go to cafes and do the things that you kind of probably imagined that you'd be doing. They have some great cafes in Portugal too. Uh, great coffee, great pastries. What's the pasta donata? Is that the? Oh man, those are so good. Uh, you're in Lisbon, right? Right outside of Lisbon, in an okay. area called Cascais, right mm. on the ocean, which is very nice. Wow. I walk on the ocean every day, which Sweet. I love. Sweet. Yeah. I like what you said. The idea of running, not running away from something, but running to something, right? And it sounds like for you that was maybe a mix of you know, some of the more practical things, like you said, healthcare and things like that, but also just, I don't know, be willing, being, I guess the willingness to face challenges, right. in a different way of life. And it kind of just having, uh, as somebody who's also lived overseas and, and kind of unexpectedly encountering different challenges as I spent more time in a place, I don't know, you can kind of be forced to face some of your own stuff, right? Like when you're taken out of your own uh, culture and the things that are familiar to you, it's, first of all, it takes a little time to find your feet, right? And even if the culture is not that much different on the surface, it's still different. There are a lot of nuanced things and, and, and things that um, I guess are unexpected. So I don't know, like it, it just kind of forces you to look within and also the external stuff that's different just changes your day to day. You oh, know, for sure. <laughs> it's, it's kind of disorienting, I guess, in some ways for a little while. I found it anyway. 
Yeah, I think for me, it's also helping me recognize kind of what is and what is isn't important to me. Um, You know, I don't know that this is where we'll be forever. What's nice is that after we're citizens, you know, it opens up the whole continent for us. So I kind of think about this as a step in finding the place that's great for us. You know, so we sort of have a short list of places we'll explore over the next five years to see, you know, spend like a good month here or there. And, and there are places that before Beyond the States, I never would have considered. I never would have known that Riga is like such an awesome city to me or that in Tallinn in Estonia, the government will never ask you for the same paper more than once. Now, I've submitted, you know, the same paper to the government here 10 times, you know, through the visa process. Often it's something they submitted to me that then I have to resubmit to them. It's just crazy. Um, so it's inter- it kind of gives you a better idea of your own values and which of those values and values. I don't mean to use that as a positive or negative term, but just what's important to you and how to find it. Well, what are your core values? Oh, oh, starting light, huh? <laughs> I mean, for me, education is a core value for me. Um, and not necessarily just your classroom learning, uh, but just life learning as well, I think is, is equally important. Um, learning through different cultures, learning from other people. Um, family is a value for me. Uh, my brother lives in Lisbon, which is, you know, we still have family in the area. So that's nice. So we have some family here. I haven't been able to see them as much, but, uh, um, global citizenship is a real value for me too. Um, I think that's important for the world for us not to just have this very confined view. And actually that's, I think one of my problems, you talked about the challenges living in Portugal. One thing that's interesting in the U S it was easier for me to find, I don't know, French wine or French cheese or Italian wine or Italian cheese. than it is here in Portugal. Um, it may seem like a small thing, but I'm obsessed with food. And so having that variety is hard for me not to have. And it's just interesting to me that I could find that in the U.S. so much easier than here where it's nearby. Um, I would say that those are my family, education, global citizenship. I would say that those are probably my, my I mean, is food a value? If so, that's oh, that's one of my. <laughs> sure, sure. We can make food a value. That sounds, that sounds fun. I'm going to add food into my core value list. Awesome. <laughs> uh, how much of a change have you seen in your kids since they have had experience abroad versus, uh, not that they're not the same person, but I mean, certainly going abroad, taking yourself out of your home country, spending an extended time abroad. Yeah. How much of a change have you seen in them? Uh, it's been really interesting for my daughter. You know, she grew up in North Carolina her whole life. Um, yeah. And and again, like I said, she's always been eager to have these other experiences. And so last year, her 10th grade year, we knew we'd be moving So she did online school. This was before the world started doing online school. She did intentional online school so that we could, you know, like I said, we took a trip to Malaysia to to look at international schools and different things there and then ended up here in Portugal. And she's attending an international school. And it's just she has never felt more like she fits than she does here. Um, you know, friends from, it's an American school simply because we needed the curriculum that she had already invested (laughs) high school years into. Um, it's an American school, but that's sort of a misnomer because it's not primarily American. 
Um, so she has Portuguese friends, she has Brazilian friends, she has you know, friends from Denmark and Estonia, all over the world in her friend group. And um, it's been just incredible for her. Um, that's great. I mean, where, did she, where do you think that came from for her? Because I wouldn't say that's the typical sort of 10th grader, right? Typical 10th grader probably just like, hey, I'm in, you know, I'm established, I'm in this school, I'm uh, with my friends, like, I don't want to leave. Don't drag me away, you know, from my friends. Where do you think the... Uh, that desire came from. This episode is brought to you by U.S. Bank. Recently, I went out for tacos and it wasn't even Friday. Yes, we have Taco Friday in Norway, not Taco Tuesday. Well, more importantly, I could have earned rewards for every scrumptious bite of those chorizo soft shells. Introducing the U.S. Bank Altitude Go Visa Signature Card. Earn four times points when you go out for dining or order takeout and restaurant delivery, including tacos. Plus, you can earn two times points when you shop for or order your groceries, two times points when you need to fill up or charge up at gas stations and EV charging stations. You're even rewarded with two times points just for your favorite streaming services. Go to usbank.com slash altitude. Go! To learn more about how you can earn 20,000 bonus points worth $200 if you spend $1,000 in the first 90 days of opening your account. Win big with the U.S. Bank Altitude Go Visa Signature Card. Visit usbank.com slash Altitude Go to apply. Limited time offer. The creditor and issuer of this card is U.S. Bank National Association pursuant to a license from Visa USA, Inc. Some restrictions may apply. This episode of Zero to Travel is presented by the 2024 Nissan Pathfinder. From muddy jungle paths and snowy trails to rolling sand dunes, the 2024 Nissan Pathfinder has the capability to take you to some of the most epic destinations on Earth. We're excited to partner with Nissan because our listeners know we love to celebrate the joy of exploring the world and finding the best off-the-beaten-path destinations to visit. And there's no better vehicle for that than the 2024 Nissan Pathfinder with seven drive modes. The Pathfinder's available intelligent 4x4 is built for even the most epic journeys, and it even has the best towing capacity in its class, up to 6,000 pounds, so you can bring the fun with you. But Nissan also knows that it's not just about where you go. In a Pathfinder, the real fun comes from getting there, and that's something we love celebrating here on the Zero to Travel podcast. We believe that life is about finding that joy within the journey itself, and that's why we're thrilled to partner with Nissan to celebrate adventurers everywhere. So thanks again to Nissan for sponsoring this episode of Zero to Travel and for the reminder to chase bigger, better, more exciting adventures and enjoy the ride along the way. Learn more at NissanUSA.com. We've always been really conscious about international travel in our kids' lives from a very young age, from before when they could probably even really appreciate it, just because we wanted it to be normal. You know, we wanted it to be part of their life and part of their experience. Um, so I think a lot of it came from that. Uh, because she was younger, she saw my son have these international experiences that she hadn't had yet. He did, you know, he did a, pro, a summer program in Morocco that we could afford because we knew we weren't going to be paying for U.S. college tuition at that point. Um, so she saw him have these really life-changing experiences as well. So, um, so I think she was eager for that. Yeah. Okay. What were you doing before you started beyond the States? <laughs> uh, I'm a licensed clinical social worker. So, um, I did a lot of work in therapy and actually before, and even in the first couple of years of beyond the States, I was working with, um, 
high conflict divorce and an alternative dispute resolution. So it was nice wow. to have <laughs> something completely different from that high stress um, position. So wow. Okay. Yeah. How did you go from? I mean, this is always a question. I think some people have when they're going through a transition and maybe they want to start a business that allows them to be location independent and live in Portugal, like you right. have, for example, <laughs> right? And it can be tough to figure out, all right, should I kind of stick with what I know or should I start something completely different? I mean, how did you end up with the whole completely different path? <laughs> you know, I was sort of in a position like your sister. At that point, my son was in eighth grade. Um, and we had some money saved for, for college, but it wouldn't, it would be for in-state only, you know, that's, that's kind of what our budget, but like I said, I, exploring parts of the world, even if it's in your home country, that's something that was really important to us. We didn't want him to be confined to just, um, in-state options. So I learned, I saw on like Facebook, how does anybody learn about anything about some kids studying in Germany? I'm like, oh, you know, I'm just going to take my computer out to the back porch and I'll just do a little research, see if this should be on our radar. And I got so sucked in, uh, you know, I was, it was like, you know, just compulsively researching and realizing that this would be a great option for us. But then also knowing, you know, you hear about somebody who like, I don't know, invents a cool stroller addition and you're like oh you know you're a parent you're like I should have thought of that or I had this great idea like that that I missed my shot and I kind of felt like that too I'm like here is a great idea and there's no information about it out there which I knew because I was researching it um and I could become that source of information so um you know it just kind of went from maybe I will and then I'm somebody who I don't like to sit with an idea for too long I like to just am I going to pull the trigger or not and, um, you know, it was something that I could do while I still had my other job and build it. A once. side hustle. It was a side hustle for <laughs> sure. Um, I mean, for a good couple of years, it was a side hustle yeah. and then became the, the sole hustle. Do you think the side hustle made it, uh, the fact that it was a side hustle and you still had income made it easier to take the, make the transition from employee to entrepreneur? Oh, for sure. For yeah. sure. There was that, that safety net there. Yeah. You kind of built it yourself. It For sure, absolutely. Like. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. how long did it take to get the business going? I just wanted to ask about the business a little bit because I'm yeah. fine. I find it fascinating. I just think it's such a wonderful idea. And I mean, these types of businesses, the direct benefit to the customer is so obvious, right? right. It's just like tens of thousands of dollars in some right. cases, maybe <laughs> more. So it's not a hard sell. I mean, you're clearly, you're found a way to provide a lot of value uh, with what it is that you offer. How did it grow over time? Did it take off right away? Was it um, a slow burn or? <laughs> well, there was a little bit. So, um, so I, I took a year before we like opened our virtual doors just for the research and the compiling of the information. Now, as I said, I'm, I'm a therapist by trade, not business. So I had this idea, but like structuring it and all that, I had no idea, which was very evident if for our members, probably the first year, you know, it was like, just a database and a couple of other things. However, that was an election year when we opened, which um, Bernie Sanders was running and free tuition was was on the um, table a lot. So we got a lot of press, which helped us a lot. You know, when you're opening your doors, you do want a lot of press. And we had that, which helped. Now, it didn't, you know, explode, but it got enough people talking about it, knowledge about, you know, knowing about that this is an option 
and helped us a lot. But I would say in the last two years is when we've grown to where, you know, again, no side hustles needed. Um, and really having a consistent, the words getting out and people do know our name, um, in these areas. So, uh, yeah, in the last two years, it's gotten to where I'm pleased. <laughs> yeah. Congratulations. I mean, was it hard to figure out when you should actually quit your job? How did you make that decision? Um, I kind of, you know, because that was something that wasn't like a nine to five job. Um, I sort of, as beyond the States grew, I stopped taking as many clients. Okay. And so I was able to sort of, um, do that in a more sort of organic way. It wasn't like I quit. Right. Um, (laughs) but when, you know, a difficult attorney would call me about a case she wanted me to take, it was a lot easier to say no, as this was growing. Yes. (laughs) Okay. And I probably felt good to start putting in those no's, huh? Yeah. Oh, it felt really <laughs> <Just> like. <laughs> all right. So, yeah. Explain to people how this works because I remember being in college and hearing some stories about friends that were studying abroad. But I just had the idea in my head for some reason that uh, I know this is what is not what you do is necessarily study abroad, but same kind of principle, right? Like have an experience overseas where you can go to school. Except this is a way better version of that, what you do, because you help people do that for an extended period of time and pay a lot less money. Um, But I just remember thinking like just immediately shutting my brain off and thinking, well, I can't afford that. That's just not something that I can afford. That's one of the big reasons I wanted to have you on the show, because I want people to know that this is an option if they want more education or they're going to college for the first time. Um, don't close your brain off. There's a lot of ways to hack things and you might think, oh, well, you can't hack like education, right? You have to go and spend, you know, X amount of tens of thousands of dollars to to do it. I guess just give us the 101 on how this works. So basically there are universities all over Europe. These are European universities. I mean, there are some American or international, but what I'm primarily talking about are European universities and they have full degree programs that are taught in English. And now they do this. Some people are like, oh, you're going to go, you know, they they make it seem like Americans are taking advantage of this or exploiting this or expecting it to be taught in English. It's not for us, you know? It's These are not developed for Americans. We can certainly benefit from it, but they do this because, you know, if you are a Latvian university, you can't rely just on Latvian students to fill the room. You need, you need other students to fill the room as well. Now, how many people know how to speak Latvian who aren't from Latvia? Not very many. So you need to have these degree programs taught in a language that's accessible to students from around the world. And English is you know, the common language. So they do that to draw students in. And also because internationalization is an EU priority. Um, and so having these classrooms filled with students around the world it is an advantage to the students. It's an advantage to the local economy. And there are also countries that have a labor shortage. And so this can help with their labor shortage if the students end up staying and working in the country. So there's no exploitation going on, you know, with Americans pursuing these. There's no, you know, entitlement of people speaking our language. Again, not for us, but we can benefit from it. Um so they're taught in English and these international student right, as you know, you know, your, your wife is Norwegian, right? So your children are Norwegian. So you, the EU rates 
are even crazier than the international student rates. Like you get zero in, uh, you, you will pay no, your children won't pay tuition in Norway. If they went to the Netherlands, they pay something like 2000 euros. But then of course, you know, the Norwegian government also gives these incredible uh, stipends and benefits that I recently learned about from one of my son's friends. Anyway, so there's the EU student tuition rate, and then there's the international student tuition rate. And the international student tuition rate, the average for these 1,900 bachelor's degree programs is $7,000, right around $7,000. So there are hundreds under $4,000, and there are even right around 50 that are tuition-free for international students. So that's that 7000 that's right around in-state tuition in the U.S. in many places. Further, most of the degree programs for bachelors only take three years to complete. So then you have that additional savings of a year of tuition and living costs. So, um, so yeah, I mean, so that's <laughs> – there, there are certainly things to consider. Norway is actually one of the countries that offers free tuition for international students at their public universities as well. Um, cost of living, as you know, in Norway – is a little bit higher. So students do have to show proof of means. And that's like the money up front to say, hey, look, here's what here's the money I'm going to live on for the entire year. So yeah. you, you were talking about hacks. You know, some students come to me and they're like, okay, tell me where the free tuition is. Right. And, <laughs> and I can be like, Norway, but guess what? Guess how much Band-Aids cost in Norway? <laughs> um, so I often advise... Or beer, like, they probably want to know the cost of beer more than beer, yeah, dates, right? Very expensive, by the way. <laughs> Absolutely. So I often advise looking at places like, you know, like Estonia, which have these, you know, as, I think of it as like a hidden gym for international students. They have great education. They have great, you know, Wi-Fi. They have great public transportation that's free. Um, and tuition there is is not free. But the cost of living is so reasonable that it kind of evens it out. Yeah. Okay. So when you were throwing out those tuition numbers, is that for the entire degree or is that per year, like seven thousand per, per year? Okay. Not and housing though. Not housing, right? And what is the average cost now of university in in uh, America? Oh, geez. Well, if you're talking about in-state, it depends on what state you're in, but that you're limited to just those that you're the state resident of. And that can be anywhere from like, I don't know, six to 12 depending per year, depending mm. on your um, state. Private is well above 30 and um, out of state as well. Those are well above yeah. 30 a year for private and out of state. Right. Okay. Yeah. And you mentioned the cost of living. That was on my list because it sounds like for each person, you're going to want to balance the reality of that with what you're going to pay in tuition, right? Uh, Estonia was the example you used as like a hidden gem. Are there any other locations that you kind of say like, hey, this is kind of maybe the best of both worlds. Like you're getting a really quality education. Also, you know, it's a, it's a great standard of living without being too expensive. You know, it really depends on the student's budget because there are some countries where um, it's sort of not high or low cost of living, but the tuition itself can counter that. Um, so I just I try to look at the whole package there. You know, certainly Eastern Europe is much more affordable than Western Europe as a whole. Um, Prague, we have a number of students in Prague where the beer is not expensive at all. Um, 
nor is the con every time I was when I was in uh, anywhere in the Czech Republic, um, I kept using my currency calculator because, you know, they don't use euros. And so I was sure that my mental math was wrong because things were just so cheap. And it, I, it, my mental math was right. It was just that cheap. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I encourage so many times students will come to me and they'll be like, oh, I want to go to Italy or France. And I think location is just such a secondary consideration mm. because you first need to make sure they have something that you're interested in studying. Right. <laughs> yeah, I was going to ask you about the programs. What types of programs do these schools offer? Is it all, I mean, it must be, I don't know, you tell me. <laughs> you name it and it's there. Okay. Now, you know, it varies by country. France, it's mostly business related programs that they have in English. Um, the Netherlands has dramatically more English taught programs than any other country. So you can find just about anything in the Netherlands. But what I try to do is identify multidisciplinary programs for students. You know, they'll come to me and they'll be like, well, I, you know, I like business and I like math and I want to do a major in one and a minor in another. It's not really how things are done. Majors, that's not how the system works. You're basically declaring your major when you start. So you're going to be studying business from day one, you're not going to have to take intro to Kim like you would, you know, the gen ed requirements. You're not going to have those. Um, so because of that, I do try to find that student a program that combines business and math in meaningful ways, as opposed to kind of studying them in a vacuum. You know, um, my son is in a program called it's a, it's a mouthful management of international social challenges and this is about as interdisciplinary as it gets because you have law, you have um, public administration, you have sociology, you have international relations, you have political science all in one program because they're looking at different international social challenges through those different lenses or lens, whatever the plural of lens would be. So, How competitive is it? Is it difficult to get into these programs? You brought me to my next favorite benefit about education in Europe, which is that it's a whole different approach to access to higher education. Um, so they're not comparing you necessarily. Again, I'm talking about an entire continent, so I'm sure. general. Of course, yeah. But generally speaking, they're not comparing you to the applicant next to you. They're comparing you to the transparent requirements that they say are necessary to succeed in that program. So is being the soccer captain in high school correlated with success in that program? No. So they don't care about your extracurriculars. Hmm. Um, there are some schools or some countries where an American high school diploma is not the equivalent as their high school diploma. Uh, and so for those countries, American students have to have sort of these extras. Just Me to meaning the American high school diploma is worse. Yes. Yes. It's not good enough. Oh, no. Yeah. No. How's that for the myth of American exceptionalism? Right. Um, <laughs> so this is Italy. This is part of the Netherlands, a certain type of university in the Netherlands. This is Norway. This is Denmark. And I feel like I'm forgetting one. Um but those are the countries where a U.S. high school diploma isn't the same as theirs. And so for those countries, students do have to have a number of either AP scores or a year of college credit or an associate's degree. Germany. Germany is the other one. Um, 
But it's not like in the U.S. where you're like, oh, I have to have 20 AP classes because, you know, this kid next to me is taking, you know, 18. I have to be better than them. It's defined. You need three or four scores, depending on the country, of three or higher, period. Okay. And then it's the equivalent. So there's so much done back here. I know, right? <laughs> yeah. How far in advance should people look into this? If you're If you're listening to this right now and you're like, Jen has your attention. You're like, wait a minute, hold on a second here. Whether you're the one that wants to go to school or maybe you're a parent or maybe it's something you've been thinking about doing in the future. Uh, like when should you start sort of figuring this out and figuring out where you might want to go and what requirements are necessary? Because I imagine for some of these, like you mentioned the AP things or some of these other things, it might take a bit of lead time to actually get your ducks in a row, as they say. So what's the timeline that you recommend to people? In an ideal world, um, two years ahead. Two years, okay. And that said, I have had seniors in high school find me, you know, three months before graduating, and I, I can still work with that. There are only 350 of the 1,900 programs that have these extra requirements. You know, so even if you okay. can't plan for that, yeah. there are still even more options. Yeah, okay. Those- and I imagine if you're flexible, like with where you can go and what you're going to do, then of course you have more options, right? Absolutely. Is it hard to deal with the parents? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I get, there are kind of a, a few different types of members we get. We get. I love parents- how you're going. I love how you're going into this, uh, you know, sort of politically correct speak, right? <laughs> there, are, there are these various types of customers that we get. <laughs> Come on, tell us how it is, Jen. <laughs> <laughs> we get some members and students who are both like totally on board and they're like, just, you know, tell me how to do it. You know, we're ready. We get some who cannot let go of the American frame of reference. And I get that. I mean, my kids have been in the American system, too. And, you know, it's really just kind of high school counselors are like, oh, I wouldn't do that because they don't know about the options. And they shouldn't have to. They have enough on their plates, you know. It's just fear Um, of the unknown kind of. right? yeah. Yeah. So they'll come in and they'll be like, well, you know don't we need to do blah, 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 blah. I'm like, no, you really don't have to, you know, they, they just can't kind of let go of correlating selectivity with quality. There's no correlation there. I'm talking about, you know, top 100 globally ranked universities where it's easy to get in, you know, it's just different. Um, then we'll get some parents who are on board, but they haven't kind of, their kids aren't, you know, Um, their kids want the American experience. They want, you know, the tailgating, they want, you know, the Greek system, they want the social American experience, which I mean, honestly, as a parent, I'd have trouble paying for just, you know, Hey, let me throw a big party for you instead. (laughs) You know, There's much less than 50 grand a year. Um, and then we get some students who like have to talk their parents into it as well. So we do have, um, a member, fa- a private member Facebook group, which is great because we have people at all different parts of the process. Some whose kids are about to graduate in Europe, some who are just finding this, and they're a great source of support for each other as well. Okay. What about the quality of education coming out? Of course, that's going to be probably the biggest question most people have when they're going to school is like, all right, well, is this degree going to be seen as anything that's good? Yeah. So that's interesting. And and this is where I deal with the myth of American exceptionalism a lot. Right. Um, 
because so so basically these universities in Europe global rankings are based only on research related criteria. So some people who are very used to like US news rankings where they look at, you know, everything including, you know, the lawn care on the quad it seems, um they think that global rankings are as I don't know, all encompassing is that as well. So they're like, I need to go to a top ranked university. And I say that does not have anything to do with your educational experiences as an undergraduate student. So I really encourage students. These are all, by the way, every single university we list and every program is fully accredited and the degree is internationally recognized. So there are. You've done all the legwork for everybody. Absolutely. That's not to say that every school in Europe is, is fully accredited. Right. And, just the just, ones that you work with. Yeah. Right. Just like in the U.S. there are sketchy options. We don't deal with the sketchy options. Mm-hmm. You know? right. um, but what I really encourage people to do is look at the educational outcomes that are important to them. Is it about employability? Let's look at their employability stats. Is it about you know access to master's degrees? Let's look at that. Really kind of a create your own ranking system is something I encourage Um people to do. But in terms of employability, I have to say some people are like, well, you know, what if I go for a job and they don't know the name of that school? We live in a globalized world, you know? Um, So the fact that you're going and you have this very different thing on your resume, number one is already going to make you stand out. There also been, there's a study done that showed that having these, these experiences abroad lead to more job offers and career advancement. The other thing is that students who are doing this, you know this from living abroad, the experience of living outside your home country, just naturally, unless you just hole up in your dorm room the whole time, it leads to the cultivation of soft of soft skills. You know, you're learning how to navigate unfamiliar circumstances. You're working in groups of people who have different backgrounds and perspectives. You're cultivating these skills that employers are looking for. And then finally, internships are often a part of the process as well, which gives you some experience to have something meaningful on your resume that's not, you know, fetching coffee is something related to your program. So you have that as well. So that's my little employability. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think it's a good general rule. Don't be afraid to stand out. Right. It's just so easy to just have these all encompassing beliefs that if they don't see an American university on my resume, then I'm doomed for a life of career failure. It's like, well, you have no way of knowing that at all. And like you mentioned, I mean, the soft skill set you're going to get, it's just diff- It's a totally different experience, right? It doesn't mean that you're not going to get soft skills if you go to university in your home country. But going back to what you said with the global citizen idea, I mean, certainly by going abroad, you're going to be opening things up in maybe a different way, some unexpected ways. Um, I, I think this is a game changer on many levels. Um, if you're thinking about, obviously, financially, that might be the biggest sort of practical piece where people can say, okay, well, gosh, if I don't have to... I have like a parents listening to this and they're saying... Or a student that's putting themselves through school and they're like, okay, wow, I can save like, you know, I was going to pay 10000 a year. I can pay four, right? you know? You're ba- and I could do it in, you said, three years? Yep. I mean, that's a lot of extra money. I'm not going to try to do the math in my head on the spot. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I'm a podcaster, not a mathematician, folks. I hear you. Uh, no, but um, it is a lot. I think about the parents who 
is like maybe struggling or just like, all right, well, I'm saving all this money for my kids to go to school because that's important to me. But after I send them, I'm not going to have much money left. Right. And then I'm looking at another 10 or 20. I mean, this is can be a game changer on a lot of levels. And that was like really the big reason I wanted to bring you on is just to like let people know about this option. So if you're listening to this and you're like obviously already into travel, so uh, you should know that this is an option for you. And of course, Jen's website is beyondthestates.com. How fulfilling is this for you personally? Because I saw on your bio on your website that you struggled with this like a while back trying to find some options, I guess, for some overseas uh, school options. You know, how fulfilling has it been to run this business and to help people do this? Would you love to have an incredible cup of coffee every day? I've tried it all. I've done the pour over. I've done the French press. But I tasted an AeroPress coffee many years ago, and immediately I was sold. I had to get one. AeroPress is a patented three-in-one brew technology. This combines the flavor benefits of espresso, pour-over, and French press all into one compact portable device built for travel or home. I love things you can use in both places. This device has over 55,000 five-star reviews in over 60 countries. AeroPress is the best-reviewed coffee press on the planet. I've owned one for so many years, I don't even remember how long it's been. And they are under 50 bucks. So they also make an exceptional gift. Thoughtful, proven, tasty, and travel-oriented. Who wouldn't love that? Now, you get 20% off just for being a listener of this show at aeropress.com slash zero to travel. That's aeropress, A-E-R-O-P-R-E-S-S dot com slash zero to travel. That will save you 20% on checkout. Thanks to Aeropress for supporting today's show. Hey, it's Jason here. Did you know you are invited to join the first ever Zero to Travel community trip? Yes, we're planning a trip together. We're headed to Morocco November 30th through December 9th. And you can get all the details at zerototravel.com slash trip. It's open for booking now. We have 13 spots left at the time of this recording. And you have until the end of March to book. So if you're interested in traveling with an amazing community, this community, a small group of people on an incredible journey through Morocco together with me. Sign up over there at zerototravel.com slash trip to get all the details. Thanks for listening and hope to see you there. I love it. I, you know, there's a service I do called the best fit list. And this is where a student submits information to me about, you know, it's like three pages worth of information. They're not writing a three page essay, but you know, things like the things they like to do in their, their spare time, their academic interests, their budget, all of that they submit to me. And then I create a list of three to five programs that fit their needs. And it's not just like this school, this school, this school. I give, you know, a few paragraphs about why this is a good fit for them. And I just, if I could do nothing else with Beyond the States except for Best Fit List, I'd love it. Um, I feel like I'm getting into their head as a former therapist, you know, but also find some really exciting options for them that they might not have found otherwise. Um so I really love that. The the business side of it, I don't love. <laughs> um, you know, it's just not my background. But as we're growing, I'm able to outsource more of that um, as well, which is which is great. I heard for I know you work. There are a number of kind of entrepreneurs who listen to this and a great quote I heard a few years ago that I've been trying to live by is only do what only you can do. Um and so I'm, I'm trying to do more of that uh, 
So, so yeah, it's, it's extremely fulfilling. 75% of the work is extremely fulfilling. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I think that's, thanks for speaking that truth because that's going to be the case for a lot of these things. If you're starting your own thing and you're, you're listening to that. I love that quote, by the way. You know, every day and every second of every day isn't going to be hunky-dory, right? Sometimes you got to do things that uh, you don't necessarily want to do. Taxes, anyone, for example? All right, so how does it work? Because are you guaranteeing that they get in or are you just saying, hey, uh, these are the options and here's all the paperwork. Now you have to go fill it out or do you guys fill out the paperwork or what do you guys actually do? No, so, you know, we kind of recognize that there's no one-size-fits-all option for people. So we do have a membership and that's sort of a DIY, you know, you can, with the membership, people can get in there, there are classes they can take, there are webinars, there's a database, they have access to me on a monthly basis to get their questions answered. And it's just kind of dig in here are all the resources I wish were available to me when I was looking at these options. I have them all here. One stop shop It's the only single source of objective information because we don't take any information, uh, any information. We take a lot of information from schools, but we don't take any money from schools. So that way, if someone asks me for a monthly calls, hey, what do you think of such and such university? I can say, here are the red flags that I saw because um, I'm not invested in anybody taking one particular route. Um, and then we have other ways that people can customize their experience. And like there's the best fit list. And even the best fit list has a great deal of customization. You know, do they need it quick? We have a line jumper pass. Do they want to add on some email questions with me? They can. They don't have to do any of those. Um, and then we have master classes, which are pretty cool because they walk the students themselves through the process that I've created of doing a best fit list. You know, they kind of, I teach them how to do that for themselves. They get more invested in it that way. And they meet other students who are doing this. We have another master class for the admissions process. Um, like we have a number of stand- standalone self-paced classes. It's just, you know, there's really an option for anybody, no matter what their budget um, or or their time or, you know, yeah, we, we try to we try to have a whole range for them. Hmm. How much does your therapist background help? So much. <laughs> so in, much. What, in what way? Uh, well, I mean, number one, getting in like students' heads, you know, or, or families' heads when they're so stressed out about the American system and, and trying to pull all the American system to, to the U.S. system. But it's also, um, I think even in dealing with difficult customers sometimes, uh, my husband works some with the business as well. He is not, he does not have a therapist background. (laughs) So sometimes I'll be going through the emails he sends and I'm like, Ooh, did you have to say it that way? Couldn't you kind of say it like this? And that's not the best for our marriage, but um, <laughs> just I think in, in some of that communication or, or telling people things that maybe they don't want to hear, not just difficult people, but yeah. just when the student comes to me and says, Oh, I, I have to go in France, kind of knowing how to communicate to them why they don't, necessarily have to go in France. It's helpful there too. Yeah. One of the things that surprises me often is uh, how much certain skills somebody has that you think are completely maybe irrelevant to the next thing you're doing can play in and be such a huge factor in whatever you do next, even if it's completely different. 
it's just time and time again, it's happened in my life and I've, I've heard this. I mean, even, even with just this podcast, I used to manage these events and I would just talk to people all day long. I'm sure that's helped me figure out a way to talk to people, right? But I didn't know that that was even something that I would be using, you know, as part of my job later on. So like, I don't know. It's, it's always nice to follow your heart in that way because ultimately at some of the things you learn are going to apply to the next thing that you do. I have found in my experience, I think that's a, a wonderful thing, how it kind of connect, you can connect the dots backwards. Yeah. As they say, is there anything else uh, you want to leave us with in terms of a little bit of, you've already dropped some, some good uh, knowledge nuggets on us. Is there anything else you want to share before we let you go? Um, well, I guess just as I think about your listener, because I've been your listener, like I said, I, I learned, I mean, a lot of where my life is right now is because of, of things I learned from, from you guys. Um, but I know that, you know, many of your listeners are not, you know, 16 to 18 year olds, for instance, or are maybe they're not even parents of teenagers and, but are people who like travel and like living in other cultures. And this, this really does open up opportunities because um, student life is so much more connected to the city than the school, it's it's um, it doesn't feel as I don't know, weird for people to go back to school at a later age. Um, and we have worked with a number of families. Um, there's actually one mother who started looking into this for her own kids and then decided to do it for herself and get a second bachelor's degree. Really? Um, yeah. Yeah. Isn't that awesome? <laughs> yeah. Um. Or some who just, you know, maybe high school, they didn't work at their full potential, which, you know, I'm raising my hand. I didn't work at my full potential in high school. And then a lot of options were closed off for them, though. And, you know, they realize that now they can access higher education, you know, and they're, you know, these aren't, you know, parents of teenagers, but they're, you know, late 20s and they go back. And um, we have one who just graduated from the University of Pech in Hungary and with her degree in psychology after thinking, you know, kind of college wasn't an option for her. Um, she's looking to study criminology now for her master's. So, you know, there, there are a lot of options for people who aren't just parents looking for their teenagers or teenagers themselves, including master's degree options in which there are 6,000 English taught programs. Um, and many of them are just one year in duration. So, uh, yeah. Wow. Yeah. The one thing we didn't talk about is the loan stuff. I know that's a big complicated question we, you can only speak in generalities, but are people generally getting loans from their home country? Or are they getting them from foreign countries? Or if you need like a student loan, how does that play in? Well, some schools have FAFSA numbers, um, in which case you can still get a loan from the U.S. and you can still use your 529 money without um, without penalties. You can still use 529 money even if your school does not have a FAFSA number you just have to pay interest on the earnings, not the overall savings amount. So, um, so yeah, I mean, there are some scholarship options. And then if, if a lot of people who come to us are coming to us with a budget that is already going to be okay for the numbers involved because they've saved thinking about the U.S. system and now they have a surplus. Okay, know? yeah, right. That makes sense. What are some of your favorite university towns out there? Oh, you know, um, I really like sort of second cities, you know, like, uh, Bruno in the Czech Republic is such an awesome student really? city. Yeah. It's so cool. Um, I mean the Czech Republic as a whole is 
pretty cool. The Bruno in particular is a great student city. They have like five different universities in the city itself. So it just feels like a big campus. Um, Groningen in the Netherlands, which I'm not pronouncing right because you're supposed to do the guttural R Groningen, <laughs> which I can never do. Uh, that's another awesome student city. Again, where universities don't really have um, like a campus, like a true campus. It's all over the city. Yeah, I mean, but other than that, I think so much of it is about students' preferences for the kind of vibe and feel they're going for. Mm. So those yeah. are my personal favorites, uh, but that might change as I do more visits after COVID <laughs> um, and also as my daughter's looking at schools. So Yeah, there's something special about university towns. Before I lived here, I lived in Boulder, Colorado, and that's a university town. There's something about, I don't know, the energy there, you get you just get a different vibe. There's always a lot going on, a lot of culture, a lot of uh, things to do. And I don't know, a certain, I guess, magic. Maybe it's the, the possibility of, uh, uh, you know, that energy of people like going to school and they have all the possibilities of life, you know, ahead of them in some ahead ways. Of them, totally. and, yeah. I don't know what it is. Something like floating around the air in these university mm-hmm. towns, but I haven't gotten the chance to, really experience a lot of university towns in Europe necessarily. So it's cool to hear your take on that. Uh, well, thank you so much for sharing everything. I'm, I'm so glad they accepted my invitation to come on the podcast and absolutely we got to, uh, share, share this as an option with everybody. Of course, your website beyond the states.com. So, uh, again, we know that this might, have been to a certain specific subset of the audience today. But hey, I'm trying to make as many people travel as possible, or at least (laughs) help you if you want to do it, not make you, of course. And this is a part of it. So thanks for doing uh, your part today, Jen. Absolutely. Thanks so much for having me. All right. Appreciate it. Take care. There you have it. My chat with Jen. Thank you, Jen, for coming on and dropping some knowledge. This is knowledge I wish I had back in the day when I was trying to figure out how I was going to get out of Pennsylvania, (laughs) where I grew up and where I was going to college. You know, just a warning to anybody out there. This is a general kind of thing that this interview reminded me of. Back when I was in college, I just assumed I couldn't afford to study abroad because it must be expensive. I must not be able to afford it. It's like you have to fly to another country and it's a whole thing. And, you know, because of that, I never even, I just made this assumption, this blanket assumption, and I never even looked into it. Who knew there were things like this? I I wouldn't have because I already closed off before I even opened up, you know? So this is why, I mean, it's just another reminder for us to question everything, right? Question our own assumptions, especially sometimes maybe that's the hardest thing to question, right? Because it's so close to us. We're just, we just kind of go about our day and we're not even like questioning our own sort of thought process, right? Or, or maybe it's so, we're so closed off to th- some things that we don't even notice them. We're that closed off. So let's just all try to stay open, right? This was a good reminder for me when I'm thinking back to that experience and what my mentality was. I think it's just so healthy to not make these blanket assumptions and to just open up. I mean, that, in some way, that's what this show is all about, right? It's like, I know, because I've interacted with many of you over the years, that uh, this show and other podcasts or, or content maybe like this 
has opened up people's minds to this idea of, oh, like maybe this is something I can do too. Maybe travel isn't such a far-fetched thing or maybe like going nomadic or starting a business that can allow me to travel. Whatever the case is, you know, maybe it's, it's, it's something I can do. And that's uh, the beauty of getting to share these conversations is there's some empowerment there as well as uh, actionable uh, takeaways and, you know, perspectives are, are actionable takeaways, I think, as well because uh, you can utilize them in your life. So anyway, uh, just a few thoughts around that interview. I had a blast. And uh, if you are in the bucket of trying to go to college and not spend a lot of money and you want to have an overseas experience, really check out Jan's website. Uh, great resource again, beyondthestates.com. Okay, let me kind of make a shift here and answer a question from a community member. This is an audio message I got from Jesse just last week. So give it a listen. G'day, Jason. My name is Jesse Crow, and I've been listening to your podcast for years. It's truly inspirational. It convinced me to quit my job, start an online business, and travel the world, which is what I've been doing for several years now. And it's been an incredible journey. And I just want to thank you so much for doing what you do. Uh, I'm in a bit of a tricky situation now, though. I've been living in Canada for a while. My visa is just about to expire. But because it's a global pandemic, getting back home to Australia would cost nearly all of the money that I've saved up over the last few years just to get home. So I'm wondering what I should do. Should I travel to a new country, even though international travel is frowned upon right now? Should I overstay my welcome here in Canada? Or should I spend all of my money getting back home to Australia? Tricky situation, and I'm just not sure what to do. But uh, look, keep doing what you're doing. Love the podcast. And uh, thank you so much, Jason. There you go. Thank you, Jesse. Uh, by the way, he calls himself the traveling scientist. I'm not sure what Jesse's doing, but uh, hooray for science. And yeah, Jesse, it's a great question. Of course, I would never tell anybody what to do. That's not what uh, I think anybody should do. You have to do what's best for you. So I'm going to preface my answer with that. And uh, that is what I said in my email back to you. But I thought it would be good to bring this on the show because this is a question that some other people might run into, maybe not specifically your situation, but this idea of maybe you stay somewhere and your visa is about to run out. And, you know, what should you do if you're traveling indefinitely or, or you're nomadic or something? You kind of have to make a decision in those cases, right? And, um, you know, there's two sides of this, really. There's the practical side and there's the sort of the the lifestyle side, if you will. And on the practical side, I think the first thing to look at is the money situation, right? What is the, what are those numbers? Are you prepared? It sounds like you've done your research and it's going to use up all of your money to go back home. Are you prepared for that? And, uh, you know, is it worth it? Because money, you can always get more money, right? If you're just like dying to go back home, then... Does it really matter if you use up all your money to get there if you're if you're ready for that, right? That's where kind of like the lifestyle sort of uh, emotional side of it comes in, right? So you got to balance the practical with the emotional. So really taking a look at the finances and understanding what each decision means, right? And uh, the other thing is from a financial standpoint, all right, well, if going back home isn't an option because you don't want to spend all your money, then what is the option or what are the options? You know, what are maybe the closest places that are the most affordable 
that you would enjoy yourself. And then you're factoring in things like, you know, the weather. Think about the weather. What kind of weather do you want to be in? What kind of stuff do you want to be around? Are you a surfer? Do you want to be around surfing every day? Uh, maybe you want to go to Central America where it's really affordable and you can be by a beach and it's not that far from Canada, right? And maybe the flights aren't too expensive. The overall thing to do here, I think, though, is to just spend some time really visualizing and putting yourself into these different scenarios, right? So you have these practical sort of decisions to make around money. And once you kind of narrow down maybe you know two or three options, going back home, going to X country, Y country, or Z country, and um, getting started there, and, and maybe looking into the flight costs and things like that, you're like, all right, I've narrowed it down. These are my two or three options. Spend some time sitting with that and visualizing, you know, what that means on a day-to-day basis, like almost put yourself there, right? And kind of let soak that in and, and see how that feels and see what kind of scenario might feel the best to you. Of course, you can never know when you're, when you're sitting there. But I think it's really easy on the surface level to kind of be like, yeah, I'm just going to fly down to the beach and like that's going to be awesome. And, you know, maybe on a day-to-day level, There are other cultures you prefer to be in or maybe uh, being at a beach really isn't that important. Maybe on a surface level, it's important, but really deep down when you visualize your day-to-day life in a place for a period of time, maybe it's not that important. Maybe it is. I don't know. But getting yourself in that and, and putting yourself in those certain scenarios, I find can bring real clarity to the decision, right? Because if you, in theory, let's say you put yourself in, in, two or three other countries. And every time you visualize yourself there and you spend time with it and you sit there, you find yourself somehow like longing to be home for whatever reason, maybe home is the right thing or something else, you know? So I just wanted to share some thoughts around that. I mean, that can go for anything, right? Like you're deciding you want to move to a new city or you're deciding you want to take off and travel. You know, that's a sexy idea, but what does that really mean? Really visualize it. Are you... Is that something you really want? It's, it's important to kind of to, to figure that out as much as you can to the best of your ability. Now, of course, the last component, which is not as a, uh, I guess is more of a, uh, a question of the times is the, the health and safety. And of course, I mean, that's, a, that's universally true, right? What's going to be a healthy, safe environment for you, but particularly related to the pandemic and things like that. Uh, I, I wouldn't comment on that because that's an ever-changing thing, but there are plenty of resources out there where you can see what the situation is in various countries, what the general attitudes are, how the behaviors are. And, um, you know, you'd have to factor that into your comparison chart, right? If you're boiling it down to those two or three decisions, you know, how does the health and safety factor in? Are those safe places to be? You know, the reality is, I, I know I, I got a question about this recently too, this idea of like, you know, maybe there's some guilt around traveling or, or, or there's some shaming maybe around it. But the reality is like people are living in places all over the world. So if you show up somewhere and you're going to be there for a while and you're you're being conscious and, and you're getting tested and you're doing all the right things and quarantining and all the stuff that you need to do, um, whatever that scenario is, is, if you're being responsible about it, then it's not like you're going in with an intention to spread something around like your physical body has to be somewhere right like in your case jesse your visa's up you have to go somewhere it sounds like so that's just already a foregone conclusion so do it responsibly and go to a place where 
you can continue to act responsibly, be safe and healthy, and that has all the other things that you would like. So there you go. That is uh, what I wanted to share around that. And also, before I let you go, we're going to do a little quote at the end, but I also want to talk about habits, this idea of uh, maybe flashpacking habits, right? <laughs> Getting that light backpack of, uh, of habits where it's like, you know, it's not a burden where you're not trying to wake up every day and you're like, all right, you know, I'm going to lose 100 pounds and I'm going to, you know, write a book and I'm going to do this, like all these crazy goals that it's just so big and overwhelming. It, it's, it's too much, right? But one small thing we can do, I think every day is just set the tone for the day, right? We can just do a few positive things to set the tone for the day. And it doesn't have to take long. I'm actually putting together a list of some of these ideas that I'm going to send out to the email newsletter. So if you're so inclined and you haven't joined, you can sign up at zero to travel.com. Like I said, I'm dishing some stuff there. You can't get on the podcast. So maybe when this ends, take a minute and sign up to keep in touch over there. But uh, I'll give you a few small examples of some things I've been doing the last couple of days just to set the tone for the day. Um, one thing is just taking some time to express some gratitude for the things that I have. You know, for some people that might be like through a prayer to the universe or God or nature or whatever you may or may not believe in. Um, for others, it might just be jotting into a journal or, or just, you know, taking a short walk and thinking, have taking like a gratitude walk, my friend Emily calls them. I love that, just walking around and just thinking about the things you're grateful for. It's pretty easy uh, to take a couple moments, you know, maybe when you first wake up and you're laying in bed and you're just thinking about, you know, you might feel so tired, maybe you got to drag yourself to work or something you don't want to do. Uh, but just taking a moment and thinking about the things you're grateful for. Maybe it's the warm bed or, you know, the great food you're going to eat or whatever really uh, helps to set the tone for the day. Uh, along those lines, maybe a little quiet time to yourself. Exercise could be something, you know, kind of committing to even if it's 10 minutes a day of, of exercise or just maybe committing to the idea of, you know, doing one thing that you really enjoy that has nothing to do with productivity or work or anything like that. You're just going to do it for the sheer joy of doing it. Um, even if you're just doing it for 10 minutes a day and you commit to that, these are really small things that you can do to uh, set the tone for the day. And of course, all of this builds up into, you know, might be thinking, well, what is this related to travel? But we know it's about more than travel, right? Travel is about more than just going and seeing things. And you know, keeping that positive mindset and that good energy helps us achieve all of our goals, travel goals, life goals, everything, right? So if you haven't thought about just implementing some small habits or you haven't done it actively, I just wanted to put that on your radar, a couple things that I'm doing during the day to just kind of set the tone and know that, hey, I'm setting myself up for a pretty great day, no matter what happens, no matter how much, uh, you know, I, I broke like two glasses the other day, but I set an intention for the day to be peaceful. So, um, you know, that second glass, I, I started losing the peace a little bit, <laughs> but I held it together. I held it together, guys. It helped to have that intention to be peaceful, right? Simple intention set for the day. So, uh, again, plenty of small things we can do. So let's just think, think small, right? Think about the small things we can do to make each day great. I'm saying that uh, even though it sounds like a platitude, I mean it from my heart. Okay, let's see. Let's, let's get in the old quote drawer here. 
Got some of my old uh, slips of paper from my Zen calendar. It always gives a little shot of wisdom for the day. I'm going to randomly peel one off. This one's from Pema Chodron, who said, uh, Each time we drop our complaints and allow everyday good fortune to inspire us, we enter the warrior's world. There you go. Enter the warrior's world. Have a wonderful day. Smile. Take a chance today. Thanks for listening. And I'll see you next time. Peace and love. Cheers. This podcast has been brought to you by ZeroToTravel.com. Ideas and advice to make your travel dreams a reality. 